0: The book of John, chapter 14. I'm going to read a couple of verses. I'm going to read five verses in five different places. But if you could bear with us just a minute. John 14, verse 16. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever verse 26 but the comforter when he is which is the holy ghost whom the father will send in my name the same shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever i have said unto you 15 26 But when the comforter is come whom I will send unto you from the father even the spirit of truth which proceedeth from the father he shall testify of me verse chapter 16 verse 7 nevertheless i tell you the truth it is expedient for you that i go away For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And a different word in our English translation, but the same word, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So in all of these verses, we have it translated the advocate in 1 John. All the other verses in John, the gospel, are translated as the comforter. So, who is Jesus talking about? He's talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And as we think about this, you know, we tried to talk to you Sunday night about being sealed with the Spirit. That we're sealed, that, that there is, um, you know, there's an authenticity of who we are, who we belong to. We have the authority of God. We have the security of God by the sealing of the Spirit. So, as we read these verses, you know, this John chapter 14, I imagine probably the first two or three verses might be used as much at a funeral as any verses out of the Bible but I'm afraid they're misused. And the reason I say that is the next two to three chapters, what Jesus is really talking about is that He's going to die, send back the Holy Spirit to dwell with man. Now He and the Father and He and the Spirit are one. So He says to us, very familiar, let not your heart be troubled. you believe in God, believe also in me, in my father's house, and I believe that right there is misunderstood in my father's family in my you could say in the family residence, but where does God reside? Does God reside in some castle in heaven? Are we all going to some little Cabin in the corner of glory land? No, I tell you, God resides with man. Though He's in heaven, yet God through the Spirit dwells with man upon the earth. So, the Spirit has not yet come, right? I believe He says in, uh, in the book of John, chapter number chapter number 7, chapter number 7, And verse number 37. In that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come and drink of me. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake, but this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on Him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So in John 14, Jesus is going to tell us that the Holy Spirit's coming. And you know what the Holy Spirit is going to do? He's going to come in the place of Jesus Christ. He said, I'm going to send another comforter, So let's read these verses. Verse number 16. I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another. So that word another there means one of like kind. One of like kind. Another comforter. Is Jesus a comforter? So this is what the word there means. The word means an advocate, a helper, a consoler. A counselor to assist. The word means to call to the side of, to the aid of, and really, it's it, it's this picture: to call a lawyer to your side to plead your case in court. Did Jesus plead the case of his disciples? I believe he did over and over and over again. He was there. He was their counselor. He was their consoler. He was their aid. He was their helper. He was their assistant. And all of that, the Holy Ghost is coming to be to you and I. So remember this as Jesus, as John writes this down, Jesus has not yet ascended into the Father, so the Holy Ghost does not come. But he says, I'm going away to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. And if I go away, I will come again. You know, people may look at that and they're saying, well, uh, that's going to be a long time down the road. But verse 19 in this same chapter says this. Verse 18 says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, when's He coming? At the end of time? No. No, in just a little while after He dies, He's going to come back as a risen Savior to be with Him for 40 days. He's going to be gone for 10 days. And the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the counselor, the consoler, the friend, the helper, the one that comes alongside, the one that's going to move in. The one that's going to move in and dwell with you forever. That's what he says in this verse. He's coming back. Not at the end of time. No. Listen to these verses. Verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while... And the world seeth me no more. But you see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. How wonderful. How wonderful. But you know, none of this can come to pass until the Lord Jesus dies. He's going to die. And He... I'd like for you to think along this line. That the Lord Jesus was the sacrifice. He was the sacrifice for my sin. And He was also the priest that took the sacrifice before God. Now, think of Aaron. Aaron, on the Day of Atonement... Aaron is going to take the two goats. Or he's going to take the bullet. Aaron is going to kill the sacrifice. Then he's going to take the blood behind the veil, symbolic of coming before God. He's going to take the the blood behind the veil to make an offering before God for the people. Jesus is going to offer Himself as the sacrifice and on the day that he raises from the dead he told Mary Mary touch me not I've not yet ascended unto the father he ascended unto the father with his own blood the priest he's the sacrifice and the priest who's the sacrifice for Now in Aaron's day, who's the sacrifice for? The children, not all the people, not all the world. The believers, the Judaizers, Israel. And I don't don't mean to make that too constrictive. But Aaron wasn't a a priest for the Philistines. Aaron wasn't a priest for the Canaanites. Aaron was not a priest for the Jebusites. Aaron was a priest for Israel. When Jesus died, Jesus died and was and is our priest. Is he not? He made an offering. He sacrificed himself, took his own blood, and went before God. But he tells his disciples right here, He said, I'm going away, but I'm coming again to receive you unto myself. That where I am, you may be also. So let's think about that twofold. According to what Paul wrote, my life is hid away with Christ in God. Is that true? So I'm with Him there. My life is hid away with Christ in God. But he through and by the Holy Ghost is with me here. Right? right. Where I am, there you may be also. And he says this, and you'll know, verse number 20. At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. How important is the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And He is not an it. I wouldn't call Jesus an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. I'll give you a a little example of that in Ephesians chapter 1, right where we are. So He says this, he said, in whom after that you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Which is? That should be who is. That should be who is. Who is the earnest of our inheritance? The Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen, the Holy Spirit in the verses that we read to you. The Holy Spirit in the verses we read is the teacher, the reminder the testifier, the one that's coming, the one that convicts, the one that convinces, the one that guides, the one that is the speaking, the one that is prophesying. He, the Holy Spirit, is the one that we absolutely are unable to do anything without Him. John is going to say that in chapter 15. John is going to write that down. And Jesus is going to say... He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Now that's John chapter 15. Jesus is going to die. How in the world are the disciples going to be able to do anything after He's gone? Is there any importance laid on The Holy Spirit in our lives. Let's let's look. I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. So when the devil comes along, you got anybody to help you plead your case? When the old accuser comes along, you got anybody to help you with your case? I'm I'm going to the court. Now, I ask you this do you sin? So when you sin, does the devil come along and and bring up your sin? When you go to pray after you've sinned, does the devil come along and accuse you before God? So who do you have to plead your case? Who do you have to aid you? Who do you have to help you knowing that? I know this too. I know you've sinned too. I know you've sinned. And you know you've sinned. So, who is going to help you plead your case before God when the devil comes along and said, Now you've sinned, God's not going to hear you? Who do we have? Jesus is dead. He's gone to heaven, He's with the Father. But thank God He sent us back the Holy Spirit. He sent us back a consoler. He sent us back an aid. He sent us back a, His Spirit. He sent us back one. He said one of the same kind as I am. I tell you, you talk about a consoler, a guide, a, 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 a one that can guide us and direct us. I believe the Lord Jesus I uh, give direction and give guidance and give understanding and give insight into the Word of God and all the parables, when they said, Lord, would You tell us what the parable of the sower means? You know what they wanted? They wanted some understanding. He was the one that gave them understanding. Jesus is not with us today though, is He? We need someone to help us understand what the Word of God says. That's the Holy Spirit. He, the Holy Spirit, I'm going to pray the Father, He shall give you one of like kind, a comforter of like kind, that He may abide with you forever. (laughs) You know what He's going to do? He's coming to set up permanent residence. That's what it really means to dwell with. In my Father's house are many mansions. In my Father's family are many dwelling places. Does God dwell in you? Does God dwell in you? So does God dwell in you? So you know what you are? You are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, is the Holy Spirit of God welcome in my dwelling place? You know, I'd like to think about it like this today. If it's absolutely essential that we have the presence and the power and the ceiling, the ceiling, the affirmation, the authenticity, the authority to speak to our families and to our people and in our community. We need the presence and the power of God, don't we? Well, let's think about this. He's a person. Should I cultivate that relationship? I don't think we think about it like that. Let's just step back to this. You know, here's a woman. You see what she's got in her arms. Is there a relationship there? Has that been cultivated? I see a couple right here, I see another couple here, I see a couple here, I see a couple here, I see a couple here. How did that relationship start? Did you just saw them one day and then just forgot about it? Or did you work on that relationship becoming greater and greater? This is a relationship with a person I must cultivate a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus has made it possible if I am saved, He has sent the Holy Spirit to bring me to a place of salvation. Now, I believe it's my job to cultivate and to work on that relationship. Because according to John chapter. 15 and verse 5, I can't do, and you can't do, you know what? (laughs) I can do electrical work. (laughs) I can run a crowd of sheep through the corral. But I can't do anything spiritually, I can't do anything eternal. I can't do anything that's going to affect the eternal salvation of my neighbor, of my family, of my friends. I can't do anything without Him being there. If He's not there, I'm going to lose the case. I'm not smart enough to plead the case to a lost man. I'm not smart enough to plead the case to a people that are hardened against the Word of God, but He, the Holy Ghost, my advocate, my lawyer, my comforter, my counselor, the one that is able to come along beside and to aid and to enlighten and to convict and to convince, He's able to plead the case and win it. But He has to work through me. Have you thought about the Holy Ghost being like your husband or your wife. I don't mean to be that, say that in a way that discredits or is irreverent. But just think about how that you wanted to establish a relationship with the woman or the man that you're married to. Think about what, what, what links you went to. Maybe maybe he felt like well you know I want to do everything I I don't want to stick my foot in my mouth I don't want to look sloppy. I, I I don't want to I don't want to smell bad. I want to look right. You know he had all of these things in his mind because he wanted to make a good impression. And she was probably thinking along the same line and thought about some bad habits that she had or something that was wrong with her. Didn't want him to see that. They were working on establishing that relationship, weren't they? And as time went on, you know the relationship got greater and greater and. Greater and there was a love grew there and because there was a desire and a longing to have a relationship, if we have no desire to have a relationship, we're not going to know anything about the Holy Spirit. What kind of relationship do you have with the Holy Spirit? The truth is, it just flies over our heads. He's a person. He is a part of the Godhead. He came to be my aid, to help me, to assist me, to teach me, to enlighten me. And all things that have to do with God, have to do with salvation, have to do with the Word of God, have to do with the world that we live in. You think the Holy Spirit doesn't know the kind of world we're living in? Praise God, He knows how to deal with what's going on today. And really, it's nothing new. It's it's just like our earth. Isn't it? Isn't it? It may be going around and around this way, and around and around this way at the same time, right? I tell you, there's nothing new under the sun. We are not running into new problems with people today. They're just as great of unbelievers today as ever has been. And there's been as great of unbelievers in the past as there are today. There's been all kinds of problems and all kinds of trouble and people that looked like there was no way they could be touched and there was people that was hardened against the Word of God. I tell you this, the Holy Ghost is able to break uh, the greatest and the strongest and the greatest sinner and the most ungodly sinner and a sinner that seems things he's greater than any other. I tell you, he's able to break a man that persecutes the church. He's able to break a man, a friend that was raised in Pharaoh's house. He's able to make a... A man that was born as a supplanter. He's able to break a trickster, a liar, a cheat, a harlot. I tell you, God's able to take care of any and every one of them through and by the work of the Holy Ghost in you. In you. What am I doing to cultivate the relationship between me and the Holy Spirit? I'll ask you again, is it essential that he is on the scene? You know something, folks? I know school started, or, or, or for the workers, started, I guess Morgan went back to work Monday. A lot, a lot of others. Well, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind. When Morgan went to school, No doubt in my mind there's people there that do not know God. We don't have to go far, do we? Mm -hmm. Wherever we go, there is a case. There is a case that needs the presence of the Holy Spirit of God working through us to win this case. So listen to what the Lord says. I will pray the Father and He shall give you another comforter that He may abide with you forever. Now Jesus is going to leave. He's going to leave. And you know something? They're going to be torn all to pieces because their whole world has come crashing down. But Jesus is telling them beforehand... I'm going to send send one of like kind as I am. As I have been with you, as I have loved you, as I have cared for you, as I have enlightened you, as I have showed my power, and as I have even allowed you. What power did it take for Peter to walk on the water? Was that the power, the working of God in him? You say, well, that was Jesus solidifying the water. Well, that's not what I read. What I read is the reason that the water become unsolidified, if you want to go down that road, was because Peter took his eyes off of the Lord and got him on the winds and the waves. So every case that we run into today, no doubt Joseph, guarantee you, men he's working with, lost. Men that I'm around, day after day. Women I'm around, day after day, lost. What do we need? I tell you we need the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. I'm not talking about that I know that He lives within me. I'm talking about sealing. I'm talking about authenticity. I'm talking about authority. I'm talking about a flowing over. I'm talking about having a relationship that the presence of the Holy Spirit would be manifest in our cases. You, You think that Lisa goes to court and there's a judge sitting on a stand and, and here's a man that gets up with no lawyer and here's a man that gets up with a lawyer. Who do you think's going to do the talking? Can I plead my case by myself? Can I plead the case of the need for this man, this woman to be saved by myself? I need my lawyer. I need my advocate. I need him to plead the case for me. Does he know the case? (laughs) Praise God, he knows the case. He knows me and he knows you and he knows the case that we're dealing with and He's able to plead the case. What I need is to have a relationship to know that He will be there and His presence to be made manifest. I need to work on this relationship. Verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name now listen to this but the comforter which is the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name in my room He's my agent on my account he is there representing me can you see that the Holy Spirit is there as Christ's agent. Now you might think, well, I believe that's taking it a little too far. Let's look right here and see all three of the Godhead. The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. So there's the comfort of the Holy Spirit. There's Father, the God. In my name, there's the Son. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. What is it that this Holy Ghost has come to do? I believe the Holy Ghost has come on my account. He's come in my name. I believe you can say it like this, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost have a purpose. And their purpose is one. They are not divided. The purposes of God are the same as the purposes of the Son. And the purposes of the Holy Spirit are the same as the Father and the Son. And what is that? I tell you that Jesus is going to die. Now let me ask you this. Is Jesus dying enough for me to be saved? Why weren't you saved then? What happened? Uh, no salvation. Even though Jesus dies, there is no application, no application of his death, of his atonement, until that is individually applied to me through the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come in my name. The Father is going to send Him on my account as my agent. What did Jesus come to do? He came and died for my sins. But for me to come to that knowledge, for me to come to that conviction, for my family and your family to come to the realization, people might say, well, I know Jesus died for the whole world. Well, that's just fine and that's just lovely. But let me ask you this: Have you come to that knowledge that He died for you as an individual? Has it made a change in your life that He died? Has it made a change in your life? No. I tell you what has to happen: uh, The Holy Spirit has to come in the place of the of like kind. He's going to come in my name, and you know what he's going to do? He's going to bring a perfection and a completeness under the work of God the Father. God the Son, the Holy Spirit is going to bring that work to a completeness. God so loved the world that He sent His Son, right? There's God. The Son loved the Father and desired to do the will of the Father, and He died. But that's not been applied to my heart, nor to your heart, until the work of the Holy Spirit brought it down, and I realized I was lost and undone going to hell without a Savior. And you know what? When I come to that realization through the work of the Holy Spirit, I'll tell you what I did. I wanted a Savior. And Jesus is the only Savior for the whole world. But it took the workings of the Holy Spirit to complete the purposes of God. not just that the holy spirit wrote the bible not just that god called a preacher and endued him or uh, uh, put the spirit upon him or in him but the working of the holy spirit has to come to you as an individual as well so so with all of that being said there must be a working of the holy spirit in you that your family, your people would could be you. God, God could work in you and through you uh, through this relationship that you have. And we come to this case, and you know it looks like a hard one. It looks like there's no way uh, that uh, that this could ever happen. It looks like no way that this man, this woman, this boy, this person could ever be saved. I'll tell you when the, when the Holy Ghost stands up, when the Holy Spirit stands up, when the power of God stands up, when conviction falls, when hell begins to move, I'll tell you what man will do. Man will cry out for a Savior. Where does he dwell? In the trees? In the bushes? You. You are you need to be working on and cultivating. I need to be working on and cultivating my relationship with the Holy Spirit of God that he might know he's welcome. I want him around. He's welcome to any room in my house, in the closet, in the basement, or behind the door, any place he wants to go. He ought to be welcome in my house. I ought not to have anything in my house that would run him off, that would grieve him, that would cause him to go away, that would quench him, How that would break his heart. God help us today. How that we would create a a desire and long after a relationship with the Holy Spirit, like you longed and ran after a relationship with someone you love. Do you love him? Do you love him? Do you love the Holy Spirit? A lot of folks don't even know who he is. It's the truth. I don't mean that to be ugly, but the truth is, they think he's an it that we get when we believe. That's it. Nothing more. Nothing more. I'm saved. I'm saved, and the Bible says I get the Holy Spirit when I'm saved. That's it. How long you been married? I'll oh, ask Beth. How long you been married, Beth? Uh, ten, years. ten years. Have you had to work on it? Have you? Would you say you've had to work on it, then? You, Beth? Would you? Have you had to work on it to keep a relationship? You've had to work on it, ain't you? It ain't all been like. The honeymoon days, it ain't all been like day one, two, three, four, five, seven days after the marriage ceremony. It ain't all been like that, has it? No, I tell you what, how to keep the relationship and to keep a, 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 some a, a communication and to have a child and to raise a family. I tell you what, there's a working on a relationship. If you and I are going to have the presence and the power of God and the, uh, the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we're going to have to work on this relationship. I'll tell you something you call your wife the old lady at the house, i got no respect for you. If your wife is the old lady at the house, you don't have much of a relationship. You know what she is to you? An it. And ladies, that will go for you too. Why in the world would you, would you term someone that's got your heart Someone who's given their heart unto you. Why would you put that kind of a title on them? We need to work on our relationship with the Holy Spirit. So, verse 26, 1426. The Father is going to send in My name. Oh, thank God he's going to finish. He's going to work out. He's going to complete. He's going to bring to perfection the purposes of God the Father and God the Son. There's no South. You can't come to Jesus. My family can't come to Jesus and yours can't either unless he's drawn. No man can come unto me unless the Father draw him. Now when Jesus says that, we may think, well, that's God. Is Jesus God? Is the Holy Ghost God? I know who drew me. I know exactly who drew me unto Christ. Go with me to chapter 15, verse 26. When the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father. So, this word here, for the Father, even the Spirit of truth. From the Father, let me start all over. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send to, unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, can he be anything else but? The spirit of truth. You see, what my family and your family needs is the truth. But they do not want to hear it from us. Would you agree with that? I see Darlene right here. You know, I I can understand her situation, I I can see it. I I have a very good perception of seeing that. And your family, and your family. They don't want to hear that from me. They don't want to hear that from you. But I tell you what if the Holy Ghost says it. If the Spirit of truth says it. If the presence of the Holy Spirit of God working through you tells them of the truth of their situation. You know know what brought me to Jesus Christ? What drew me to Him? When He revealed unto me the truth about myself. Now, Jesus said, I'm going to send you the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth. And listen to these words now. The Spirit of Truth, which proceedeth from, discharged forth out of, came forth out of God. If, If you want to get a better picture, came forth out of heaven the holy spirit was discharged from heaven when jesus ascended back to god the father he said i'm going to send the i'm going to pray the father he's going to send you another comforter you remember that spirit you remember that scripture over there in matthew where he said the harvest is plenteous but the laborers are few Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that He would send laborers. I you, God sent us something greater than a laborer like me or a laborer like you. He sent us the Holy Spirit discharged from God come down to earth, the Spirit of truth to convince our families and our people of the truth of their real condition. But i got to have a relationship with Him. So I got a lawyer. You know, maybe I'm, a, I, I don't know what, maybe I'm accused of armed robbery. Maybe I'm accused of murder. You know what I need to do? I need to tell him absolutely everything that I can tell him about me. Now, does the Holy Ghost know about me? What do I need to? I need to work on this relationship. I need Him. I need Him to know all about me. I need Him to be able to use me in the the person that I am, the capacity that I have. I need Him to use me and use His intellect, to use His Spirit, to use the power of God, to use His power of persuasion, to use His power of conviction, and plead my case. I need to develop a relationship with this person. And this person is the Holy Spirit. This is what the Bible says. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, He shall testify of me. He's going to give evidence. You know, what do I need and you need? I need the Holy Spirit of God to witness and give evidence through me that I am not the person speaking. I am not the person that is your enemy. I need the Holy Spirit of God to work through me To bring about a revelation to my people and your people. And what's the Holy Spirit going to do? I tell you, the Holy Spirit is going to give evidence of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is going to witness or testify of Jesus. It's what the book says. Now, you know, we we could say a whole lot of things right there. But let me ask you this. How's my life? Is my life testifying? Am I under the control of the Holy Spirit that my life would testify of Jesus? Am I? Are you? Are you under the control, under the leadership, under the guidance, under the Lordship of the Holy Spirit that your life would testify that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? If I don't have that, I'm going to have to start there. I'm going to have to have my life in order before I can ever get an audience with my family and our people. But listen. He shall testify of me. Listen to the next verse. And ye also shall bear witness... You also. How could we bear witness? Because you have been with me from the beginning. By the self same spirit, you are going to witness to of me. You're going to testify of me. So now think with me for a moment. They've been with him for three and a half years. Isn't that enough? Isn't that enough? They've got all of this knowledge. They've got all of these experiences. They've been on the mountain. They've seen him raise the dead, give sight to the blind, open the ears of the deaf, made the lame to walk. Surely to God, that's enough. It's not. That's not enough. We must have the Holy Spirit To go with all of the knowledge and all of the experience, we must have the relationship of the Holy Spirit to go with all of our experiences with Christ. We still have to have the Holy Spirit to witness. You see, if we don't have Him, all of that knowledge... You know what they said about the Pharisees? They said about Jesus, I I I tell you what now, when He preaches, it's got authority. It's not like the Pharisees. What were they saying? When Christ preaches, it bothers me. It affects me. It makes me think. It gets to my heart. It pricks me. It makes me to wonder. It it makes me to think. It brings judgment upon me. It brings conviction upon me. I see what Christ had. Christ had the Holy Spirit dwelling with Him, on Him, and He was God in the flesh. And all of our experiences will not do the work of the Holy Spirit. And He is a person. So we must treat Him as a person and work on a relationship with Him. 16 verse 7. Nevertheless, why why are they sad? He's going to die. He's going to leave them. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. That I die. It's best. It's to your advantage that I die. He, you know, he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But it's to our advantage that he die. Because if he dies, it's what the book says. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient. It's expedient. For you, that I go away. Better for you. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I send Him unto you. And when He is come... Now He's a person. Remember now, He's a person. When He is come... He will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me. What does this mean, reprove? To convict, to expose, to prove. I'll tell you what the Holy Spirit's gonna do. The Holy Spirit is gonna bring a conviction that a man is lost, He's gonna bring a conviction of sin. That must be first. If there's no conviction of sin, I do not need a Savior. It's the truth. That's where it has to begin. It must begin with a conviction of sin. Now, we've already said this. We've already said this, and our sister's already nodded her head my family don't want to hear it. Her family don't want to hear it. Your family don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear you judging them. Oh, that's what they've got to say. You're judging me. I give what they need. They need the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God working through you. Listen, you may not have to say a word about their sin. It may be your response your action, the way you handle a situation, it may be what God uses you in the situation you're in. I to speak to them, it be the Holy Spirit working in you. And it bring conviction of sin upon them and bring them a conviction of righteousness. The only righteousness that there is is proven by the Lord Jesus Christ. How important is our relationship? With the Holy Spirit. You know, we just take it for granted, really. Wouldn't you say that's true? We just take it for granted He's there. Anytime I call, anytime I call, He'll be there. I ask you this. Your husband don't come home for two, three days. Your wife don't come home for two, three days. You think, sir, and you think, ma'am, when you walk through the door, she's going to be there. Hugs and kisses. Is that the way it's going to be? Are there going to be some questions? Are there going to be... Is there some answers going to have to be given? Is the relationship been put in jeopardy? You think we can just treat God anyway and the Holy Spirit anyway? And I... I, I well. I didn't realize it, but I, you know, I got a court case coming today. Uh, He'll be there. Will he? Will he be there? Have you got him on a retainer? Is he your friend? Is he the one that you love? Does he know that you love him? What kind of relationship, what kind of communication did you have with him yesterday? What kind of communication have you had with him today? What makes you think today that he's going to show up on your case today when you've not talked to him in weeks? How would that be? How would that be at your house? No communication for weeks. You think your wife's going to come to your rescue? Your husband's going to come to your rescue? You think everything's just going to be peaches and cream? No communication for weeks. Folks, we're living in a dream world. We need the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit of God. We need to cultivate this relationship that we can have the presence and the power of God, that our lives can be effective. I realize this Jesus has died. He certainly has. But I want you to know this that, that death and that, the payment, a friend, has not been applied until the Holy Spirit of God brings that to the realization of a sinner that needs a Savior. How many people's died and went off, went into hell? Millions and millions, probably billions and billions of people. But I tell you, thank God one day the Holy Spirit come by, brought me under conviction of my sin, brought me to a realization of what righteousness with God was, and friend, brought me to this, there was a judgment coming. You know, I can look around and I see, I see judgment day's swiftly approaching. But you know, it's just like people just do this. They just keep walking toward hell, put their hands over their eyes and think, it's going to be all right. How is it going to be all right? How is it going to be all right? You think if I stick my head in the sand, that's going to make a difference with a judgment? What a fool that I am. What a fool to stick my head in the sand and think that judgment won't come if I don't look. We can do nothing without Him. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said in 15 and 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches, he that abideth in me, and I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. He's going to die. So he must be talking about the person, that other person, that another comforter, that one of the same kind as I am, an advocate like I am, a counselor and a consoler like I am, one to come to your aid like I have, one who would die for you, one who gave His life for you, one that can be with you always. I'm not always going to be here, but He, the Holy Spirit, will be here always. Do I need to work on this relationship? Look with me in 1 John just a second. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate. What does that mean? An intercessor. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. If you look it up in your strongs, you will find this word advocate and the word comforter are the exact same word in the original. So Jesus is my advocate. But again, Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Listen to it. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now listen to these words. And He is our propitiation for our sins. Now I want you to think. I'm going to read the rest of the verse. Verse. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So He is my advocate. He is my intercessor. I ask you this. As my intercessor, is He an intercessor for the lost world? He's not an intercessor for the lost world. This same one that died is the same one that is an intercessor for the people he died for. He did not die for one group and is an intercessor for a different group. Remember when I talked to you about Aaron? Who is Aaron the priest for? Israel. Who was the sacrifice that Aaron slew? Who was that for? Israel. Jesus was the sacrifice. It's a picture in the Old Testament of type and shadow. Jesus was the sacrifice. And also, he was the sacrifice for who? The people that he interceded for. He is our advocate. Is the Lord Jesus Christ an advocate for the lost and dying world? He is not. He is an advocate and an intercessor for the same people that he died for. Just like Aaron was the priest, he offered the sacrifice and then made intercession unto God for the people. He was that one. Jesus was the sacrifice, and Jesus made intercession for the people that he died for. Now look at this He is our advocate. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. Have you sinned? Yes, you have. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is our propitiation. What does that mean? That means He is our satisfaction. That means He's my atonement. That means He's the means for me to have my sins expiated. He's the one that got rid of my sin. He died in my place. He's the same one that intercedes. And He's my advocate. You know what I have? I have He, the Holy Spirit, dwelling in me. I have Jesus Christ, who died for me. I have God the Father, who started the ball rolling, chose me before the foundation of the world. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That's true. Jesus died. But until the Holy Spirit of God brought that to my need and to my realization of His death was for me and for my sin, His death had absolutely no impact on me other than bring me under more and more guilt. Well, preacher, the Bible says that He died for the whole world. I'm going to say this to you and I hope that you would take it and I hope you would read your Bible and check it out. When John writes, John writes as a Jew. When the gospel is going on and in the epistles, you know who there was? There was the Jews and there was the rest of the world. That's the truth. There was the Jews and the rest of the world. Well, I want to tell you that Jesus died for the rest of the world, not every individual in the world he said over in the Word of God, I believe it's in the book of Acts, them that's turned the world upside down have come down here How about that. Is that true? Listen to the book of John chapter twelve, just to just to help you just a little more, I believe that the picture of Aaron should help us the most of all. John chapter twelve and verse nineteen. Listen to these words: The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, "Perceive ye how? Perceive ye? Perceive ye how? You prevail nothing. Behold, the world has gone after him." Was that true? No, that was their picture of it. You know what? That was in their little realm. It, It looked like everybody was following him who the world is ladies and gentlemen the only savior for the whole world red, yellow, black and white northern hemisphere, southern hemisphere Asia to America from pole to pole the only savior for the whole world is Jesus Christ and my family and your family need to know about that we need to work on our relationship with the holy spirit we need to cultivate that relationship